0: Take you to the word of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 14. Uh, The title, do you have that uh, back there? Let's just put that title up here. And I want you to see if you could. The title of my message is He Holds No Title. He holds no title. Let's go to Isaiah 14. And let's read this if we could. And then I'll take you to another scripture in Revelation very quickly before I go on down. This is the fall of Lucifer. How many of you know who he is? We don't like him. We don't claim him, but uh, we know who he is. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you've said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. Now here's where it gets right down to the heart of who this guy is. I will be like the most high. Mm -hmm. That was his goal. That was his ambition. You want to know how that all ends? You want to know what his ending was? Let's look at Revelation 20. And we're going to look at verse 10. Just one. The devil, Lucifer, Satan, however you want to call him. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone. Where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night. Say it with me. Forever and ever. Forever and ever. You know what that implies? That implies the beast and the false prophet are representatives of those that follow Satan. Those that follow Lucifer. Those that are uh, kind of tempted and drawn in by his ploys. Folks, the ones who follow Satan, that's where they're going to end up. Right. We know that. That's what the Bible says. No, it's not a popular theme today in churches to preach it. No. You don't hear hell preached about as much as you used to hear it preached about. And you know what? That's too bad. Yeah. Amen. Because it's the Word of God. It is. And the Word of God needs to be preached whether it is stings our ears and pierces our hearts and not. In fact, I wouldn't be here today and many of you wouldn't be here today if we hadn't been in a service one time years ago where God pierced our heart and you made it, it, he, God made us feel the worst we ever felt until we got to an altar of prayer and we turned our life over to Him. Folks, that's what the gospel's supposed to do. And I want to challenge you, if you think, well, you know, I I don't know if I like this guy preaching or not, but it seems like he preaches the Word and it might touch people's hearts. If you believe that, if you think that, invite people to come and to be a part of this That could be your part in helping to get people to Jesus. And then I'll try to do my best to present Jesus to them in a way that will pierce their heart and touch their life. So here we have Satan and we know his beginning and we know his end. Now, I don't have to tell you that he's present in this place today because he is. He's here to tempt us, to distract us. He's here to delude us. He's here to condemn us. He's here to do anything that he can do in order to keep us from the Most High. That's right. But I believe, and I hope that he'll leave very sorrowful here in a few moments, and disappointed that he even came when this service is over. Now, I'm going to get to the heart of what I'm going to talk to you about, and it's right here. The question was once asked why is the devil like a pawnbroker? Now, you know what a pawnbroker is? You know what a pawn shop is? Mm -hmm. It's somebody who takes something. And they don't take things that people don't want. They take things that people want, but they've got to try to get money or something. And they hope to be able to get them back. But you know what? Often they don't come back and get them. They can't come back and get them. And so the pawnbroker gets it. And the question was asked, why is the devil like a pawnbroker? And here's the answer comes back in sobering truth because he is constantly, constantly laying claim to those things that we leave unredeemed. That's right. He's constantly laying claim to those things that we leave unredeemed. When you say, well listen, I know Jesus, so I'm redeemed, aren't I? Yeah. When Jesus came into your heart and life, he redeemed you, he touched you, he touched your soul. But how many of you know that even Jesus spoke this and he spoke it through his own voice, he spoke it through the Holy Spirit and he spoke it through the Apostle Paul and others. He said, listen, there are things in your life that even though I have come into your heart and you are serving me, following me, there are things that the enemy is going to try to take from you. There are things that the devil is going to try to keep hold of in your life. And you need to crucify those things and let me be the Lord of all. So, I mean, if I'm talking to you here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, my goodness, this message is for you. Because, listen, the, the devil right now is laying claim to everything about you. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, my goodness, you don't have that covering. But I think everybody in this place can examine our hearts before the service is over because we may have things in our lives that we say, You know, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to live for you. But there are some things that I've never really, really let you fully redeem. There's are some areas of my life that I've tried to control, that I've tried to to to, to, to direct, I've tried to manipulate. And Lord, I realize it's not working. And, and what the Spirit is saying today is if we leave those things unredeemed by Christ, by God, the things the devil are gonna come after. Yes. I've had those things in my life. You've had those things. Sometimes we need to search because we may still have those things. We, Ananias and Sapphira, even though they were in the middle of the church of the first century, they they were holding back things that they kept from God and ended up taking their lives. Paul oh, doesn't talk very much about him, but he just says that Demas, who once served the Lord, who once was faithful, he says, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. So folks, don't tell me we can't backslide because we can. Amen? That's right, that's right. Bible shows that we can. Yes. I thought I might just give you just a very, very pertinent, very relative relevant example this morning. Tomorrow, there is going to be a holiday. It's going to be acknowledged. That holiday is known as Halloween. Okay? Uh, There is something. It's an interesting holiday. And so I want there's something, uh, some things I want you to know about it. Now, if you look back at it, it was originally of Scottish and Irish origin. And in the ninth century, did you know that in the ninth century AD, it was adopted as a Christian holiday? Yeah. In fact, I talked to somebody here a while back, and there they go to a parochial school, and their church their school is going to be off for vacation, not on Monday, but on Tuesday, to celebrate what they consider to be a religious holiday. Called All Saints Day. Called All Souls Day. Mm-hmm. And so it began that way. and It was commemorating. Uh, it just commemorated those that had passed on. The souls of the righteous dead was honoring them. But in Europe, during the medieval times, Halloween became something else. It didn't remain dedicated to God. It didn't re- remain uh in its purpose, it didn't remain noble in any way, but it instead developed into a pagan holiday during these times, dark ages, and it changed from a time of honoring souls of the righteous dead to worshiping the spirits of the dead, period. Yeah. So it was said that witches and evil spirits and we're roaming the earth during this time on Halloween. And for some, it has evolved even to this day into a time of demonic activity. Yeah. A time of the worship of Satan. Yes. yes. Brother Gary, do you think everybody goes out and asks for some candy on this date is involved in the worship of Satan? No, it don't. But I can tell you, a lot of people who are following. Their Lord, the Lord of this pit that we just talked about, they use this holiday That's right. to worship Him. That's, right. That's a sad truth. The multitudes of darkened hearts on this day, tomorrow, which was once intended to be holy and reverenced, and they'll have things like cults, they'll have witches' covens, they'll have bonfires, they'll have rituals and. Participate in ungodly acts and ceremonies, and it'll all be dedicated to their Lord, Satan himself. Why? Well, here's here's how it relates to us. Why will they do that? Because the prince of the power of the air, who is Satan, is relentlessly striving to dominate the unredeemed areas of man's life. Yes. And if we leave it out there, we don't dedicate it to God. and That's not just this holiday. That's everything in your life and everything in my life that we leave just hanging out there. If we don't give it to God, and if we don't say, Lord, you're the Lord of it all, then Satan's going to try to redeem it. And he's going to try to make it his own. He's going to try to use it. And he'll use it for his glory in a darkened world. And he'll use it for your demise. How many of you know that he'll take unredeemed areas of your life and he'll use them to destroy you? Yes, he will if you allow him to do that. Well, I didn't mean for it to destroy me. I didn't mean for it to hurt others. That's all right. Yeah, I understand that. But Satan had a different plan. And so that's why we need to put the things under the blood that belong under the blood. And how many of you know that if Jesus has redeemed us, he owns everything else about us? Amen. Amen. We have no right to keep it from him. Thank you, Lord. First Peter calls Satan our adversary, our opponent, the arch enemy of our souls, if you want to put it there. But you know why he is that? You know why he's our adversary? There's only one reason. The devil opposes man, you and me, because we are God's creation. Because we are created to be the sons and the daughters of God. Man is the offspring of God, whether we be wayward or whether we be faithful. And for this reason, yes, the enemy is an adversary to man. But in the truest sense, Satan is really, in fact, the adversary of God. And that's really what it's all about. 2 yes. Thessalonians says this. He says of the Antichrist. And how many of you know the Antichrist is the offspring of Satan who will be... Uh, Parading around in this world in the last day, of, uh, last days of the tribulation period. It says of him that he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Yes. So anything that belongs to God that we're not giving to God, he's going to come for it. Right. He's going to try to get it. If your family is not dedicated to Jesus, he's coming for it. If your uh, health is not dedicated to the Lord, the enemy is going to come for it in order to try to destroy you. Amen. That's right.
1: Just realize
0: that anything we haven't committed
1: to the redemption of
0: Jesus, Satan is wanting to redeem.
1: The only reason the
0: devil bothers with you or me or anyone else is because of his intense hatred for the Father. In reality, now, now listen to this, because this is going to hurt your ego. You say, "Well, this shouldn't hurt our ego, but it will." In reality, Satan could care less about you and me. That's right. He doesn't have any. He's indifferent. He has no. Uh, he has no uh, other interest in it other than to destroy God. We are merely pawns and tools in his quest for dominion. Those whom he deceives are nothing more than notches in the belt of this despiser of deity. And there's a supernatural battle uh, of mammoth proportions that's being waged right now. And you know what? We're simply in the middle. We're simply in the crossfire when it comes to Satan. Now, no wonder He promises us the world. He'll promise us fame. He'll promise us riches, fortune, fulfillment. He'll promise us the opportunity to feel really good. Mm-hmm. And then when our life is wasted, destroyed, and useless, even to the devil himself, will He thank you for it? No, He won't thank you for it. doesn't pledge allegiance to you in any way, not on your life. He'll discard your life upon the garbage heap of this world and he'll immediately look for another life in which to defeat the grace of God. What am I saying? It's this. We mean nothing to the ruler of darkness. The only reason that he hates you so much and me is because God loves you so much and he loves me so much. You say, Well, preacher, I thought Satan hated me. I thought he was out to get me. Truth is, he hates the Lord. Yeah. He's out to get back to God. He uses you only to hurt the Lord. And, and now, now, don't let that hurt your ego. Try not to let it do that. Because we want to be a little more important, don't we, in the scope of things and the scheme of things, in this company encompassing eternal plan. Well, whether we're important or not depends on which side we're on. Whether we matter or not depends on whose perspective we're looking from. Yes. You see, when you're on God's side, you're the most important possession in this world to Him. Yeah. Well, you say, well, Gary, explain that. I can't. I can't explain it. You've done nothing. I've done nothing to deserve His love. We've done nothing to deserve His care and His tender touch and His embrace. But for some unknown reason, God loves you and God loves me. As much as anything that He's ever created. More than and his whole plan is about getting you and me to join him one day in heaven to rejoice from the throne. How marvelous, how wonderful the fight And that's why Satan is so bent on taking us down the wrong road. i tell you how much God loves us. Did you know he stood silently 2,000 years ago as it appeared that the devil was having a heyday? Christ's followers turned on him. The world was butchering God's own son. They were blaspheming God. They were drunk on the wine of unrighteousness. God could have saved face. How many of you know that when Jesus was dying on the cross of Calvary, Jesus could have asked and he didn't, but how many of you know God could have sent 10,000 angels to redeem him? Could have sent... 10,000 angels to rescue him. But he didn't. He didn't. God stood by while this world representing you and representing me when they spit in his face. In the face of his son, when they gave ridicule through Jesus and they gave mockery. He watched the blood fall to the ground from the cross. Think of it. When that happened, because He loved you and me so much, God stood down. Your salvation was much more important to Him than to say face. It was much more important than personal satisfaction or some kind of revenge or some kind of victory. Yes. Oh, Satan's going to get his, but God took it for a while so that He could redeem you and me. Amen. That's right. He put you and me first, and that's why. Let me say that again. He put you and me first. And that's why he has the right to ask you to put everything first. Glory. For him. Glory. Everything. And that's what I pray that the Lord will help us understand this morning. Because I believe that as we conclude this service today. And you may do it up here or you may do it silently at your seat or whatever. Here's the thing. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. But the thing of it is I'm I'm, I'm believing and trusting that there are going to be some things that we brought into this place that weren't redeemed that we're going to leave and they're redeemed by Jesus now. And sometimes there are things that nobody else knows anything about except us. All the kingdoms of our heart that we keep bottled up. Nobody knows except us. But I want you to know Satan knows and God knows. Yes. And I believe that victory can come in hearts and minds here this morning in regard to that. You know, it, this thing about Satan trying to defeat God... It's a contest being fought, which is really no contest. We, we read the ending of it. We read that he is going to have his place in the lake of fire, in the pit. The outcome is inevitable, but it reminds me, although it reminds me of that great heavyweight champion of the world. Some of these younger folks don't recognize us like we do. But do you remember a guy named Cassius Clay who became Muhammad Ali? And back when I was just a kid, I remember listening on the radio and listening to when this Cassius Clay came on the scene and he fought for his first heavyweight title and fought a guy named Son- Sonny Liston in the boxing ring. The whole world was listening. Did you know that he came out with such ferociousness that Sonny Liston didn't even answer the bell to the second round because he was sitting over in his corner with a broken shoulder from the pump? And Muhammad Ali had to win three world heavyweight boxing titles. He became the greatest heavyweight man has ever known. And that would have been wonderful if that could have been the way that he was totally remembered. But the thing of it was, he was too tempted to come back. And he came back at a time when his body wasn't any more able to handle. And he came, went into the ring, and he was an overweight and aging champion. And he didn't fare so good in that situation. That's, That's kind of the way it reminds me of Satan trying to defeat the hand of God. I want you to know this morning, if you choose to let God redeem the things of your life that need to be redeemed, you're on the side of the champion. You're on the side of the one who will win this battle. You are on the side of the one whose victory has already been pronounced. All of that brilliant career of Muhammad Muhammad Ali was tainted in later years. That's how it is with Satan. We read it here. He was once a shining star. The Bible says it. He was one who had all the glory and the beauty. He was second only to the creator, but it wasn't enough. He tarnished himself by trying to take the title which belongs only to the Ancient of Days. From the beginning, he didn't have a chance. The outcome was inevitable. But he wasn't still as obsessed with that goal. And because of the greed which he possessed for a title he could never obtain, he lost the title that he had. And now he holds no more title. He owns no glory. He's a failure. He's a loser. He's a defeated foe. Mm-hmm. And if you allow the enemy to dominate any area of your life, that area of your life will be defeated. Yes. That area of your life will fail. You turn it over to the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It becomes a silent yeah. Would you come back, Judy, and begin to play that course we talked about? Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll lead you through it in just a minute it's a very very simple little course Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart I want to end this message this morning by taking you to a scripture that Peter had alluded to this And then Paul elaborated on it. It's found in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15, if you could put that up for me. How many of you know that when Jesus died on the cross, something happened in the regions below? The Bible indication is kind of mysterious because we don't have it really, really spelled out to us, but something happened. describes it best. That when Jesus died, there was was evidently a celebration going on in the regions below. Satan thought he had defeated God. He defeated the things of grace, the things of Christ. And boy, did he have a surprise coming. Peter alludes to the fact that Jesus went into the regions below. and, And then Paul says this. And here's what it says in the New King James. And then I want to tell you what it says in the King James Version. He says of Jesus, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Now that didn't happen when Jesus died on the cross. That didn't happen in the days that followed. It didn't even happen after he raised from the dead. This happened in the regions below when he died on the cross of Calvary. Yes when the veil was split in two from the top to the bottom, when these things happened, when he died, this is what took place. Let me show you what it says in the King James. i tell you what it says in the King James. It says "And having spoiled principalities and powers, He, Jesus, made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. The reason I wanted to give you that reference was the Greek word spoiled there is a very interesting word. It literally means to divest wholly, to strip off rank and authority. I want you to hear that. When Jesus went to the regions below and there was a celebration taking place, Satan thought he had defeated grace. Jesus turned the tables and now he begins to strip the enemy of our soul of every bit of authority, Lord, of every bit of honor, of every bit of bragging rights. Paul uses the word spoiled is because this is a military term. You see, Paul was a tent maker and he knew the Roman army. How many of you know that the Roman armies were some of the most efficient and the most harsh on earth? And what they would do is when they would go in and conquer a a, opposing army and a general they would defeat that army and then they would stand them all at attention on the opposite side of them and they would put their leaders in front and those leaders that had tried to overthrow Rome they stood them right in front and they would have a ceremony and I could just hear it as a cadence would begin like rum, 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 rum have it go on as the Roman general would go over and say, listen, you were once a great army but now you are a prey to Rome. Yeah. And he would strip an ornament off of the opposing general's outfit. And he would go on and he would strip this, you know, you, you once had a mighty army, now your army is ours. And he'd strip another one. As the kings would go on. So Paul paints a picture of that in Colossians and said, Listen, that's what Jesus did that day for you and for me. He spoiled the celebration in the regions below, and he went and have any line with Satan and all of his demonic host. And he stood before them and he said, As he went to Satan and he strips, and the cadence is playing, blah, 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 blah. And he takes me, strips of title, and he said, You were once the bright in the morning star, but I want you to know now I'm the bright and the morning star. Worship and praise was once given to you, Lucifer, but now all glory and praise belongs to the Son of Man, the Son of God. He continues to strip off those ornaments. He said, "You were once second in command, only to God, but I want you to know something. Now you are defeated, and then one who remains who defeated you is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Is yes. His vesture." Proclaim. Go to the very, very best Christian among us today And still say, you know We all need to do this Every one of us needs to search Our hearts and say, Lord Do you you have ownership And do you have reign over every kingdom Of my heart? If not, that's what the Holy Spirit wants To center in today And to have us to do Bow your hands with me if you would There was a great evangelist in the early 1800s, maybe the late 1700s, by the name of George Whitefield. George Whitefield saw that the church in America was beginning to lose its passion. He went through the northeast part of the United States, about all that there was of the United States at that time, And he began to preach to the churches that you're letting the enemy rob you of your spiritual authority. Did you know they mocked him? They drove him out of towns. Even the religious leaders came against him and tried to oppose him. And one day George Whitefield was coming into Boston, which was one of the main liberal parts of the church of that day. There was a liberal clergyman that met him at the gate of the city and said, Mr. Whitefield, we are so sad that you have come here today. To which George Whitefield replied, So is the devil, sir. So is the devil. I trust today that we'll send the enemy of our souls running away from those things that He's trying to redeem. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, God, for anybody in this house, Lord, that needs to turn something in their life over to You. God, I don't know why it is that You have wanted me to drill down on this so much this morning, but Lord, there may be those today that would say, Jesus, I don't want to hold anything back from you because the preacher has said if there's any area that's left unredeemed, then the enemy's going to try to redeem it. And I don't need that habit in my life. I don't need that opposition in my life. I need you, Jesus, to redeem those areas. With heads bowed and eyes closed on his ask this morning, I promise I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm just going to pray with you. Is there anybody that would lift their hand? You may be a good Christian. You may be a nominal Christian. Whatever it may be. And you'd say, really, Gary, there's an area of my life that I want Jesus to redeem. He's, he's redeemed me as a child of God, but, but there's some areas that I don't think I fully turned over to him. Is there anybody here that would lift your hand? Let me pray for you this morning. And say, so I just want to give it to Jesus. Well, you know what? It can be big things. But it can be bigger things. You know what can be? It can be your attitude toward other people, it can be your attitude toward this church or toward what's happened in this church. Jesus, I want that to be redeemed in my life. Is there anybody today? Thank you. Others? I want you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray for God who lifted her hands today. I pray for those, dear God, today, Lord, that need to give kingdoms of their heart over to you, Lord. Lord, I, as I open this altar, Lord, if you'd stir their heart to the point they want to come and kneel here and pour it out to you, Lord, then let that be something they do, God. I pray. In Jesus' mighty name I ask the Lord touched them regardless. Touch them as they reach out to you in Jesus' name. This song just says, Jesus be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. Jesus I surrender all the kingdoms of my heart. Sing it with me and let's make a commitment to Him. Could we today? Jesus be the Lord of all. Jesus be the Lord of all, Jesus, be the Lord of all, the kingdoms of all. my heart reach out. So Jesus.